ಚಿತ್ತಸ್ಯಪದೀನವಾಚಾಕರೋತ್ತ ಪ್ರವರ ಮುನೀನಾಂಜಲಿ ಪ್ರಾಂಜಲಿರಾನತೋಸ್ಮಿ I prostrate with folded hands before Patanjali who benefited mankind by delivering yoga for mind grammar for speech and by removing impurities of the body through medicine so we will continue with our study of the Patanjali Yoga Sutra in the last class we were studying the 27th sutra of the second chapter which speaks of the seven indications the seven ultimate insights that comes to a yogi who has acquired the discriminative enlightenment that the enlightenment which has been spoken of just in the previous sutra we have spoken of as the viveka khyati the discrimination that i am not the body not the mind not the senses i am something apart from this psychological existence that i who am appearing to be as if encaged to be imprisoned in this psychophysical existence is actually an illusion it is just like seeing my reflection in the reservoir and taking the reflection to be real and try to embrace it try to get identified with it so once we understand that i am not the reflection i am apart from it and then constantly contemplation on that notion on that pratyaya on that thought uh, wave so that it becomes ekagra ultimately leading to the dissolution of the ego falling off of the ego and then the process of the dissolution of the psychophysical existence ensues leading to the ultimate kaivalya as long once the liberation happens as long as you're in the body because of your prarabdha because of the actions which has already started fructifying you continue with the body all the experiences which i was supposed to go through i go through the world feels that i am also just like any other being suffering or enjoying the life but the subjective feeling i from the bottom of my heart once i have went to the realization no it was certain there's all those feelings all those experiences are not mine i'm just witnessing them just the way we witness the panorama the all the scenes which are going on one after the other in the screen of the virtual in the virtual world of real in the world of reality which is virtual the virtual world of reality in the movie so for a realized soul the life becomes like that just witnessing everything is passing and when ultimately when ultimately all the prarabdha is exhausted 
the body falls off. But then there is no return. For those who are yet to go to that discriminative enlightenment, we, because of our uh, this accrued past actions, the resultant of the past actions for which I have accrued the merits or demerits whatsoever, accordingly I have to come back. We are forced to come back to this world of psychophysical existence to repeat the same phenomenon again and again by being identified with the various bodies in the different lives. But the one who has exhausted his prarabdha and has attained the discriminative knowledge, for him there is no return. He is the one who gets established in his own infinite glory, the glory of the self, which exists by his own right without the need for being associated with the body-mind complex. So what are the various seven stages? So we started the discussion in the last class. So let us just start from the very first indication, the insight. And we will try to cover up the, all the seven insights which has been spoken of by Vyasa while commenting on this sutra. He will try to indicate all those seven insights, the seven stages, the seven signs that the yogi passes through once he has attained the discriminative enlightenment. And from that point till the final dissolution, what are the seven insights? The first is Kritarthata, Krita Artha. That there is no other purpose in life. There is nothing else to be gained. In the all life we will find that at present, we have a particular goal. Through our endeavor, we reach that goal. And then as if we reach a plateau, the life loses its taste, its flavor. And then we are out for some another purpose. We as if never get fulfilled with the so-called this eternal chase after the worldly sensed pleasures of life. It is like ever running, never reaching, nor a distant glimpse of the shore. It's like the hedonistic treadmill. In the treadmill we run, but we go nowhere. In the same place we go on running. So our chase after the pleasure, chase after the sensor pleasures of life is just like riding a hedonistic treadmill. Hedonistic means hellish. It's just like a hell. It gives us no satisfaction. But once with a discriminative enlightenment, it is something which is a subjective feeling. You know the witness has got totally separated from the psychophysical existence. In the words of Ramakrishna, just like a ripened coconut. The unripe coconut, you will find that the shell and the kernel is intertwined. You cannot separate them. But when it gets ripened, you just take a ripened coconut in your hand and shake it. You will find that it's making noise. Kernel has got separated from the shell. They've separated. That's what Ramakrishna is giving as an analogy. So a realized soul feels the 
kernel, the innermost core of his being is the innermost core of his being is something which has nothing to do with the psychophysical existence. It has fallen off. It has just fallen off. And when that feeling, when that conviction as a subjective feeling comes in the life of a sadhaka, then the ultimate fulfillment, the sense of fulfillment comes as if nothing else has, is, there is need for any other purpose in life. There is no, nothing which I have to gain. Having gained that state, one does not consider any attainment to be greater. As in Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavan says, Yang labdhva chaparang labham manyate nadikam tataha. That having reached that state, you, you will consider no other attainment to be greater than that. In the last class, we were trying to understand that how it happens with the example of Swami Vivekananda in his Raja Yoga. In the Raja Yoga, Swami Vivekananda is saying that, that how that sense of Kritarthata comes, that I have attained finally the goal beyond which nothing else has, can be attained. Swami, we let us go to that example of analogy of Swamiji. Very nice example to understand Kritarthata. That Swamiji is saying our mind is like a lake. And our real nature is as if like the bottom of the lake. The re real nature, as in the scripture, it has been spoken of. Sat Chit Ananda Swarupa. This Sat Chit Ananda Swarupata, as if is the bottom of the lake. Now we have we find that when in a say in a swimming pool, all are just jumping, frolicking, swimming, having fun. The lake, the swimming pool is turmoil, full of waves, disturbed. You can never see the bottom. When the swimming pool is disturbed, agitated, I can never see the bottom of the swimming pool. But when no one is there, the water is calm, transparent. I can just see the bottom of the lake, bottom of the swimming pool. So Swamiji is saying our mind is something like that. Most of the time, you will find that the mind is never at peace with itself. It is constantly jumping from thought to thought with thousands of artha, thousands of purposes. So that is sarvarthata. That we are never satisfied with the life to lead the life just as it is in the present moment. Constantly the mind is agitated with the past or by the future. We never stay at present. By default, if we can stay in the present state of mind, the mind would have been very calm. But constantly what we are doing, whenever we are free, we are relaxed, either it's going to the past or it is going to the future, either it is worrying about the thing which it has done, it is getting agitated by the things which it has done, it is recapitulates that, or it is anticipating what will happen to me, the concerns. And this breaks the mind constantly into waves. If we could have stopped that, what would have happened? Just the lake which is having a lot of ripples, I just the way I cannot see the bottom. Here also the agitated mind, the bottom 
which is Satchit Ananda Swarup, that is almost invisible. It won't be correct if we say that Satchit Ananda Swarupata is not visible. Actually, Satswarupata, Chitswarupata, that's never filtered out. That's always something which we realize. However, we may be busy with our life, that I, as a conscious being, exist. Satswarupata, my existence, and that existence is something conscious, Chit. I'm aware, I'm constantly aware of that. Nothing, even my day-to-day activity can never take away that from it. Take that realization from me. But what it takes away is that Ananda Swarupata. That my soul by nature is bliss. But in life what I see, that we have thousands of desires. Once a desire is fulfilled, for the time being I am happy. And again the mind becomes dissatisfied. Why it happens? Now when the mind is breaking into the waves of thousands of waves, this Ananda Swarupata, that gets filtered out. Our mind is something like a mica shit. In the olden days, to insulate the heat, the tropical heat in tropical countries like India, the rich men, it was not possible for the poor, the rich men, you will find if you go to the palaces of Jaipur, the window, the panes, the window panes are actually insulated by mica shit. Why? The mica sheet allows the light to pass through, but it will never allow the heat to come in. It insulates the heat, but allows the light. And that way, inside, in the indoors, it will be lighted, but cool. So this is the filtered, uh, what you say that, this uh, selective filtering. So here also, Satswarupata, Chitswarupata, that never gets filtered. When the mind is agitated, Ananda Swarupata is getting filtered. Till I get the object of my desire, I feel dissatisfied. There is no bliss. But the moment I get it, then there is a tremendous happiness. And always I think it is the object which I was desiring for. The moment I get it, get it that gives me the happiness. But that's how we are deluded. The world can never give me happiness. Not a single thing in this world can give me happiness. What happens? The moment the object of desire is obtained. For the time being, the agitation of the mind has stopped. That suppose a student wants a laptop, the latest model of the laptop. The father says, if you get a good grade in the exam, I will give you as a gift a laptop. And when the student gets it, he's tremendously happy. He thinks that the laptop has given me happiness. But what has happened actually? In his mind, there was a huge wave. Constantly it was arising. And that desire was so intense, it has engulfed all other desires. That I have to get a laptop. I have to get a laptop. That became something prominent in his mind. The moment he gets the laptop, for the time being, there is no wave. All the other waves was engulfed by this, I have to get a laptop. And this also subsides for the time being. And you get the laptop, the moment. is tremendously ecstatic that he or she thinks that it is a laptop which has given me the happiness. But what actually has happened? For the time being, a let go has ensued. 
the mind is calm there is no wave the ananda swarupa the bliss which is our real nature that is percolating through your psychophysical existence and you think that it is a object which has given me happiness and that's how we are deluded again and again after some time again the mind chases after a new desire again it breaks into waves the happiness is gone and again i have seen that as i was in school for a long time i always used to joke with my students that when they get the results they have got very good marks so happy there just for two days after that on the third day they are now in going to the university for admission and they find that in spite of the good grades there are so many who have got the same grade the subject of his choice to get admitted they find that is so difficult it's not that easy again that concern just for two days he was happy the concern comes so we will find in our life there is no such eternal happiness one after the other the desire comes the young one who has just has yet to be married just got a job and got married and thinks a small town hall is sufficient for me and after a few days we'll find that that's gone bigger house bigger house at last in the old age again they have to think of curtailing down so we what is today's uh, what you say that luxury tomorrow it becomes a need constantly we are chasing after the desire why one happiness gone has gone the bliss that for the sometime we enjoy the bliss a new desire comes in because our conviction is it is the external this all these so called objects which gives me happiness and we tintillate our nerves again and again by chasing after them and our condition is just like a small child a small infant who cries now and then and to pacify them something you have to put in the mouth to just to just to suck in for the suckling child suckling babe swami ji used to say that we are we may be grown up but our condition is nothing better than the suckling ch- this infant that used to say that we are all grown up babes in his language mustached babes because we may have grown physically we may have mustache we may have beard we may be appearing physically very manly but after all we are babes in the spiritual sense because again and again we need to suckle on something we cry and again something has to be given so this eternal chase is going on because of the ignorance that the happiness is there somewhere outside that's what shankaracharya used to say that what this it is this cycle of avidya kama karma that has bound us avidya ignorance what's the ignorance that i have forgotten that i am eternally blissful my real nature is bliss ananda swarupa i forgot that that is agnana from that karma the desire arise i want this i want that i am chasing after that and this is resulting in karma all the sanskaras are growing and that sanskara again leads me to the same desire and this cycle goes on life after life swami vivekananda used to give an example wonderful example in the village in the olden days to grind the oil 
a you know the two stones were used that one stone will be revolving over the other and you have to give the oil seeds between the two stones so they will be grinded and the oil will come up out now how to make the stone rotate they used to tie the upper stone with a pull with a bullock with a bull and they will tie one stick in the front in the head of the bull and in the front of that stick they will hang some straw now seeing that straw the bull constantly wants to get it this chasing but as it is tied to the stick the more it moves forward the straw also goes on moving forward and the bull goes on revolving and that's how the oil is grinded the nature makes us grind the oil of the so called this of our life just by making us chasing after that straw that straw is our chasing after the name fame position in life wealth those are that is a straw and we are going on without satisfaction this eternal chase once we understand just calm down the mind let the filtering factor of the ananda be removed that's the purification of the mind that's the sattvic state of the mind calm mind ananda swarupata will well up it is something already within you you need not have to get it from outside if you what you say that uh, pump out all the water from a well next day again you will find the water is filled in because the underground water wells up it is already there you need not have to pour water from outside so here also the ananda swarupata is already there i need not need the world to pour in to give me bliss it just wells up once we realize then that what happens this eternal chase after the worldly pleasures of life that stops so this this ideas are so interesting that the sanyasis are called maharaj you go to the uh, uttarakhand the swamis all are called maharaj now they are all fakirs the beggars they have nothing to uh, not a single pie how can they be maharaj the idea is wonderful that who is the king of king who is beyond want even the richest man of the world you will find with all the riches have that sense of dissatisfaction wants more then how can we call him a rich if that want is there but the so called sanyasin who has attained that discriminative enlightenment all the want has fallen off and that's why he is the king of king he has gone beyond want beyond all wants he has gone so that's why then we will understand this this is a, what you say that we say this is entire vedanta philosophy is in our language if you study the language you will find out the philosophy behind it that's why they are called maharaj so this is the idea of kritarthata which has been spoken of as the first insight that comes to a mind man of discriminative enlightenment next is the annihilation of kleshas as you may all remember what are the kleshas the five kleshas avidya asmita raga dvesha abhinivesha avidya ignorance asmita ego raga attachment dvesha hatred abhinivesha clinging to life and which in turn means fear of death so these are the five kleshas 
and they are just follow one after the other from avidya comes asmita from asmita raga dvesha abhinivesha one after the other it follows to just by common example you will understand that the we, we have given that example so many times let us repeat so that we can recapitulate we have that idea that ideas gets very clear in our mind that what are these panchakleshas just take a small microbe in a petri dish it's not even visible by your naked eyes with your through the microscope when you look you find there as they appear as if inanimate dust particles they're all moving hither and thither now your science teacher says they are not inanimate they have life how to prove it what he does he just drops a single drop of nutrient in the center of the petri dish and immediately would find all the so called particles which were appearing to be scattered moving here and there they all gather direction they are moving towards it what has happened that small micro that in that the ultimate conscious principle the purusha the purusha has got identified with that micro body there also the identification has happened the purusha which is beyond the psychophysical existence now thinks it is that small minute body and from that the asmita that this i am this limited existence that comes from agyana this asmita comes and when is the asmita comes anything which is favorable to the psychophysical existence i think is favorable to my existence actually i am beyond all those so called external factors but as as i am now identified with the body anything which sustains it gives pleasure i think it sustains me it gives me pleasure and i'm drawn towards it that is raga if instead of nutrient if you just uh, put a drop of toxin you find immediately the direction have changed the microbes are all moving out instead of going in that is dvesha anything which is going to harm my psychophysical existence i feel that is going to as if harm me but in reality nothing can harm me but as i am identified with it i think it is going to harm me and from that the dvesha the fight response comes and sometimes i find that the thing which is uh, something which is not favorable for my existence can kill me i'm so much cling to this life instead of fighting i myself run away from it that is abhinivesha so dvesha and abhinivesha speaks speaks of fight and flight response <clears throat> raga speaks of obsessions that's what our life is our life is totally this encapsulated either by the obsessions or by the fight and flight response but once you go to the realization not just intellectual knowledge realization it happens something like subjective feeling which gives you a conviction that i am not the body mind senses then all the clashes falls off to understand that so uh, we can take the example of swami vivekananda swami vivekananda is saying that as a parivrajak as a wandering monk when he was passing through the deserts of rajasthan he was thirsty now in search of water he was just in search of water and suddenly he saw a huge reservoir at a distance so now he started approaching the reservoir the more he approached the reservoir appeared to be receding 
And at last it vanished. At one point of time, it was not there. And immediately Swami Vivekananda realized that from childhood I have read about Miraj. I thought I know it, that intellectual knowledge was there. But today really have realized what Miraj is. It is no more intellectual knowledge. It has become a realization. And that results in a great transformation. What's the transformation? Next day, when again I'm passing through the desert, again I'm thirsty, again I see the reservoir. As I am in my body-mind complex, I bound to see that uh, mirage. But today, a great difference has happened. The raga is no more there. The glacier has fallen off. How? That it cannot drag me. I know it's a mere projection. The mind and the senses is projecting the world, being in association with the Purusha. It is just a mere projection. It is in no way have the tangible reality. And this gives you a spontaneous renunciation. It cannot drag you anymore. So that's what is meant by annihilation of the places. The things we like, we hate, is because they I take them to be real. When the reality has fallen off, in a movie, when you're seeing a horror movie, however you may be horrified, you enjoy it because you know they are not real. So that's what happens with the realization, when it realization dawns in. Experiences we cannot get rid of. They will be there. But I am no more affected by them. I as if just witnessing them. There's a famous story of one of the uh, Greek philosopher. His name was Diogenes. He always used to say that the world is a dream. And now the young ones of that town where Diogenes used to stay, they thought they one day planned that we will give this old man a good lesson. This world is a dream. Let us show him that what type of dream it is. What they did one day, they caught hold of him, tied his leg with a rope, and the other end of the rope were tied behind a chariot. And they make the chariot run through the streets. And after some distance, when they stopped, he was full of bruises, lot of cuts. And now these young ones asked, well, sir, is the world a dream? Do you feel it's a dream? The reply that Diogenes gave is wonderful. Yes, still it's a dream. Maybe it's a painful. It's very painful, but it's a very painful dream, but still it's a dream. So that's the idea that you are not in any way that most of us think that spirituality will enable us to get rid of the suffering. In that sense, if you understand spirituality, we will do a great mistake. The life goes on as it is. I somehow can separate myself from the experiences. If you think that spirituality will have an anesthetic effect in your life, we'll be creating a great blunder. It is not an anesthesia. It is an orientation which gives you to face the challenges of life and transcend them. That's what is meant by the annihilation of the glaciers. That's the second thing. The third thing happens, it's no more an intellectual knowledge. It doesn't need any elaboration. As already we told that this when Swamiji really realized the mirage, now he knew that it nothing that this mirage can befool him no more. As long as there was an intellectual knowledge, 
though he thought that he knows the mirage he actually never knew what it is it's just like i have heard from a person the taste of mango he has told me it is very sweet it has a nice flavor and i think i know what the taste of mango is but the more day and most probably i have conjured up so many ideas about the taste of mango years have passed without tasting the mango i think i have understood the day i test the mango immediately all those ideas i find were actually mere imaginations they all fall off then that that's the real knowledge all those ideas were like intellectual knowledge without proper realization so the moment you realize at present many of us think oh i understand i am the self but it is a mere intellectual knowledge it is just a conceptual knowledge it in no way can help us to transcend the sufferings of life when you are in a crisis you will find this knowledge is not helping you it's only the one who has went to that realization they can separate themselves from the body as sri ramakrishna always used to say whenever someone is to ask him sir how are you feeling he was suffering from the terminal throat cancer about to die a few months back tremendous suffering there was no treatment in those days immediately his response was the sharir tar dukho jane mon tumi anande thako the body knows its suffering oh the mind be happy and sometimes very interesting ramakrishna sometimes just to uh, follow the norms uh, of the existing society to hide his feelings if anyone asks sir how are you he will show his throat don't you see how much suffering how much i am suffering and one day one young boy he told sir but it looks you are in bliss and ramakrishna immediately with a love with a broad smile told this rascal has caught me red handed that was his reaction that when he told that sir it seems that you are saying you are suffering but it seems you are in bliss and then he told shala dhore felechere that he has caught me red handed so that's the state of their existence even swami turiyananda he had lots of carbuncles on his back in his advanced age when he was the doctor suggested that he has to be operated he vehemently opposed the idea of being uh, under the anesthesia he told that no no anesthesia should be applied to me then the surgeon told how can we operate well just before operation tell me that after 5 minutes we are going to op- uh, operate on you give me some time small time and then you operate and the doctors were amazed that there was no reflex working no he just simply separated himself from the body it's not that there was it uh, that he through his realization has created anesthesia the pain was there but just the way when someone else is suffering do i feel the pain of the other person no though i may sympathize but i that pain it is not a subjective feeling so for a man of realization it becomes something like that that body it's suffering it's witnessing but it doesn't feel it is its pain it may be tremendous intense pain but it doesn't feel so there's no more intellectual knowledge it has become something a realization and that gives a tremendous conviction that's the third thing which happens and the fourth is very important that is called the cessation of the effort to attain proficiency in practice no more practice no sadhana spiritual life has become spontaneous when someone is to visit ramakrishna 
and after when the conversation was going on at the time at the, of the when in the evening time at the time of the vesper service that as our general belief is a religious person will be meditating at that time so they will ask sir do you want to be alone do you want to have your regular practice and we see that ramakrishna is in no way giving importance to that because realization is something which is always in, in the background of his mind that all the practices are no more required spiritual realization has brought a spontaneous state of existence where is always that uh, what you say that renunciation is spontaneous you don't have to use his will power as buddha used to say very nice nicely that no one carries the raft on his shoulder after crossing the river we use a raft to cross the river after crossing the river do you carry the raft on your shoulder the purpose of the raft is done it was there to cr- cross you the river its work is over so he will be if he will be considered as a fool who uh, that thinks that most probably uh, uh, that i will need that raft there is no more need of the raft so that's what has been spoken of as uh, that the cessation of the effort so once the realization attains is attained a spontaneity ensues what you were practicing willfully now becomes a natural state of your existence as a fourth the fifth a type of let go ensues no more clasping sri ramakrishna used to give a very nice example that the lady of the house after finishing her daily household chores goes to have a bathe in the village pond now once she leaves the house all sense of urgencies will fall off and you may call her and under under any pretext she is not going to come back that's the way ramakrishna is saying that that she was busy from the morning whatever work was there immediately she was taking care of all the thing but once she is out to have a dip in the village pond now she is not going to return even if you call her now she is totally relaxed once you go to that realization now there is no come back why what actually if we try to understand psychologically what has happened that with the help of viveka khyati the ego has been removed as you remember we constantly give that example of our personality as if like the will where the hub of the will is our ego the spikes are our innumerable desires when through the viveka khyati i am not the body not the mind not the senses with this thought i have got rid of my limited ego the hub has been removed all the spikes are bound to fall off at a time the will 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 cannot maintain its shape anymore it will collapse so first the let go ensues to give an example another example the example helps us to understand this in a much better way that all the mental that our mind is not one mind there is no single mind there is no single chitta in there are so many mental modules each module with particular desires particular type of desire for a particular type of reason there are infinite modules and the ego is the one which pampers them all so when uh, till now what i was doing i was just you know that that sometimes we have the habit of feeding the birds in the morning 
the birds come and i feed them and now the expectation grows every day the bird comes and i have to feed them every day now one day you make it a point that i won't feed them any more will the birds stop coming immediately no it will take some time for them to gather the feedback that we are not going to be fed any more for few days as per the habit they will come back again and again but i have to persevere i have to persevere not to just fall the victim of their expectation i keep myself withdrawn and then gradually they understand that with this person is not going to yield any more and then they won't come back any more so that's how the chit the let go happens the all the modules which was hinged to your ego they are, they start getting loosened they start falling off so that's what is being indicated as the fifth uh, inside the fifth sign that you are going to the ultimate realization and then the sixth the last to the sixth once the mental modules get loosened now the process of dissolution starts just try to understand that suppose on on the top of a mountain as some there is a not there is something like a uh, what do you say a stump uh, which uh, the, on which various weights are tied so now if all those uh, what do you say they take up the stump so what will happen that you there's all the first all the balls which were tied to it they get loosened and then by gravity they will start falling off so here also the same thing happens you know that our chitta it's a product of evolution for lives together with all our uh, desires and endeavors we were slowly building up the chitta with so many innumerable modules once they get get dislodged from the ego now they start dissolving the mind starts dissolving that's what has been spoken of uh, that in the vyasa bhashya as that if you if a ball from the top of the mountain uh, somehow gets released it's bound to fall off you cannot simply hold it back so the chitta dissolves the same way the ramakrishna as used to give an example of a salt doll the salt doll he says that once wanted to measure the depth of the ocean the moment it got down on the ocean it got dissolved it got one with the ocean who will be who is there to give the news of the depth of the ocean khabar ke dibek in his colloquial bengali ramakrishna is saying this is no one to give that news of the depth of the ocean it gets merged so similarly all the evo this mental modules which constitutes your chitta they start dissolve dissolving off this dissolution of the chitta happens and that ultimately leads to the ultimate attainment of the kaivalya so we have the idea when the mind is dissolved i am no more there that's what someone shouted when swami vivekananda was describing the liberation that you go beyond the body mind senses even the mind and then one lady from the audience shouted swami ji what happens to our individuality swami ji was really uh, uh, he 
this made a very funny remark remark he was amused to hear that and he told madam you are not individuals yet when you reach that state then you become individual so uh, you know so sometimes the words of this great person uh, we we also after listening that we quote but the real meaning sometimes doesn't strike us for me also it strike much later when swami ji is saying you are not individuals yet in what sense he is saying there can be you can make many sense but one sense is very interesting see the word individuality means individuality means that which cannot be divided now as myself at present as a limited psychophysical existence i can be divided there are so many mental modules this body as a physical body is constituted of so many parts everywhere the prana there are so many expression of pancha prana uh, pancha gyanendriyas pancha karmendriyas the mind has this chitta buddhi ahankar so many parts are there which constitutes my personality pancha kosha in vedanta they speak of they constitute my personality so how can i be an individual i can be divided ultimate when you reach that uh, the real, that state of realization when you know you are the purusha that is the indivisible reality you cannot divide it anymore so that's why swami ji is saying very interesting you are not individuals yet as long as you are associated with the psychophysical existence you think this to be your real existence you can be divided how can you be individual it's only when you go to that realization you are an individual you cannot be divided nothing can annihilate now you now till that step i was having that fear i will be annihilated i will i i will meet harm there are so many things to harm me there are so many things i can enjoy these feelings falls off nothing is there that can give me happiness i myself am bliss nothing can harm me i am that indivisible reality there is no need for the crutch called body mind senses for my existence i exist by my own right as the eternal conscious principle i exist alone that's why this ultimate state is called kaivalya the word kaivalya came from kevala kevala means in sanskrit only that i only exist i exist only by my own right without its association with the psychophysical existence so we are not annihilated that fear that's why in vedanta that is the characteristic of the vedanta and yoga philosophy there's a characteristic difference from the western philosophy in the western philosophy we will find again and again the soul has been equated with the mind so when you say you go beyond the mind naturally we get scared that what's that because because we think that that is our that is the ultimate sense of individuality the mind the yoga the vedanta is saying that unless you go beyond the mind you can never know who you are then that's why in vedanta the state of kaivalya has been spoken of as a paroksha anubhuti it is having almost the same meaning as kaivalya a paroksha at present all our feelings are paroksha i have to use the crutch of body mind senses to perceive the existence of the world paroksha something apart from me through that i am 
perceiving the world. When you go to that ultimate realization, it becomes a paroksha. There's no need for anything apart from me. I exist by my own right. That eternal amnes, no one can annihilate. That I have reached that state. So that's the state of Kaivalya, which is the seventh, the ultimate inside, which has been spoken of in this sutra. So you will find the sutra is so small, but it actually speaks of all the steps through which you go to ultimately lead this, to reach the state from where there is no more return. You exist eternally in your own nature with, without having the need, the urge to come back to this physical plane of existence, which is the plane of uncertainties. We all come back with the idea we will enjoy the life. And you know that the world 99, why 99, the same person population, no one enjoys the life. But we come back with that idea that we will enjoy the life. No one comes back with the idea that we will suffer. The real enjoyment is in that state when you are no more associated with the body-mind complex and nothing can affect you. You're beyond that state. And that's the state of the Kaivalya. In the words of Shankaracharya, the man of realizations, footprints are like the footprints of a bird, flying bird. It leaves no footprint. It just flies off without leaving any footprints. So the seventh state is the state where you have taken off. When the plane was running in the runway, you were gathering speed, you know, now it is going to fly off. Still some footmarks are there. So all the six states speaks of this, all the footmarks that's speeding up. But ultimately when it takes off, no more footmarks. There is no, they, it has just taken off. So the cat, this attainment of Kaivalya is the taking off. The rocket has been launched. Ramakrishna used to say very nicely that how long we have to take care of this body Yes, still that realization. Once that realization happens, whether the body is or is not, it doesn't matter. And he used to give a very nice example. This, you know that in the olden days, the Kaviraj used to, even nowadays, the Kaviraj makes medicines. Some of the medicines are prepared through the process of crystallization. What's the crystallization? That all the various liquids will be poured in a bottle and they will keep the bottle for a few days and after a few days, they will find that all the, the so-called the ingredients which in the liquid form was poured in have now crystallized. And that's the medicine. But that crystallized thing is inside the bottle. How will you get it? The only way to get it, you have to break the bottle, nothing else. So Ramakrishna is saying that once the spiritual realization has crystallized, what's the use of this bottle, this body? it breaks off, it's gone, it's no more required. Till then it is required, till the crystallization has happened, it has a need. So we need not be scared because that the, the state of dissolution is something which is even beyond our scope, beyond our purview, beyond our realization. We need not be scared. Why we get scared? It is just because we are child in the world of spirituality. A small child gets scared when the parents say, enough of this, playing toys and with toys and all. You're growing up. Then he says, when I grow up, what will happen? Why? You will become a scientist. What will I do? Why in the lab so many, for hours you will be doing experiment. Hearing that, 
The child says, what will happen to my toys? What will happen to my Cadbury's? Because for the child, the toy, the Cadbury is its existence. It gets scared when you say that you will become a scientist or you will become an engineer and do such and such work. That doesn't in any way make any sense to the child. Similarly, the losing of individuality doesn't make any sense to us at present. We need not bother. It is just for the knowledge, let us know that's the final stage. But let us be quite happy that with this body, we have to continue till that ultimate dis real disentanglement happens. Once it happens, when we won't be in a state again, just the way a scientist can never think of enjoying the life by just having a few toys and having Cadbury's. It's his total benchmark has changed. The benchmark for happiness has changed. So here also, the more we evolve our benchmarks, the way we think of happiness, it totally changes. So there's no question of getting scared that I will be losing my individuality. Let us with our concrete individuality, go on doing our Chitta Shuddhi to have that pure Sattva. The things will take its own course and that will lead to the ultimate realization. So that has been spoken of. So now after this, now the sutras which will come will speak of the this eightfold practices of the yoga. So those all practices, this eightfold practices, uh, gradually now we will take up uh, 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 most probably from the next class, this uh, this eight four practices of the yoga, uh, we will take up one by one. So with this, we stop our discussion. Thank you all. Yes, uh, let us come. Namaskar, back. Swamiji. Thank Namaskar. you. Namaskar. Good night. Good night. Good night. Pranam, Swamiji. Namaskar.